Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. All right, guys, welcome back. Hopefully, you had a chance to listen to the Dread podcast, part one and part two. Uh, man, it's so cool to have the guy who founded F3 and has got over 35, 40,000 people around the world working out all the time. So love his strength and conviction and uh, his, just his commitment to excellence. So sounds like a Oakland Raiders speech or something there. So anyway, let's jump in today, guys. We have got RJ and Dustin with us from the Balance Business Dad Yes. They've got a, a really cool community going today. And normally we start out with uh, kind of a, a testimonial review or something that came in. And Dustin the other day put on his personal page, his Facebook page, uh, some pretty cool words that he was using to promote the uh, episode that when I was a guest on their show. So yeah. I'll, I'll actually let Dustin jump in right away and kind of give his testimonial that that he posted yeah. on his Facebook page. I love it. Yeah. So uh, my testimony started with, you know, Dan is, uh, my life has changed ever since I met Dan. Dan helped connect the pieces for me to jump out of corporate America and go full-time into real estate. At that time, I was a real estate agent. Now, this time I'm a full-time real estate agent, but Dan is someone who completely thinks of how can I help and serve other people when I wake up on a daily basis. I believe that's what's going through Dan's head. And if you would ask, I would say out of three or four people in St. Louis, two of them would know Dan and they have had an impact on their life because of Dan. Uh, even my, my accountant who I drive nuts on a daily basis, I have her because of Dan. So Dan is one of those people that just connect people, but he, he, he lives to serve others. And it's pretty amazing to see. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, yeah <laughs> thank absolutely. You, thank you. No, thank you. So, so that's kind of funny. Um, that's one thing when you hear something like that, especially when it's spoken in front of you or recorded and that kind of thing, where you can just say thank you. What I used to do a long time ago was say, ah, no big deal. Don't worry about it. And kind of almost reject the gift that that was. So one, thank you for your testimonial. Thank you for your yes. written and spoken words. So uh, really, really cool. And then we'll get into a little bit more of the story that you alluded to. Yeah. As, as we move forward, as we move forward. So guys, man, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it a bunch. Um, appreciate you having me on your show. So yeah, thank you. Tell, tell us a little bit about yourselves and, and how, how the balanced business dad got going and where, wherever you want to open with, and we can go from there. Well, I will, uh, let RJ, my senior, start, you know, uh, age before beauty. So <laughs> oh, isn't that very nice of him? <laughs> So, yeah, so, uh, yeah, R.J. Campbell, I live in beautiful O'Fallon, Missouri. I um, met Dustin about 10 years ago. We actually worked together in corporate America. So that's where we kind of changed, uh, changed paths. I spent my whole career in corporate America. Dustin's much more the entrepreneur after that. Uh, we came, uh, so that's, uh, you know, that that's how we got together. I am a uh, Christ follower, a husband of be 35 years next coming next summer to, to the same person. We're not counting multiples, uh, <laughs> three kids. Uh, my kids are grown a little again, different from Dustin's. I have sons that are 32 and 29 and a daughter that's 26. So my wife and I are empty nesters. Our two boys are married. Uh, I have one grandchild, one granddaughter, I have another one on the way from the same one or oldest son. So we have a grandson we're expecting this summer. So that's, uh, that's kind of where I am. That's, that's where I came from. And Dustin and I, He'll tell a little bit of that story too, but um, yeah, we came around things very differently. Dustin more of the entrepreneur, me more in corporate America, and over the last couple of years, just talking about our lives, which are good lives, great marriages, great kids, but you know, things are just a little bit out of balance, as we say now, a little out of whack then when we first came up with it, and that's where the idea of this balanced business dad came about, as we identified these six pillars that we talk about that we have to try to balance throughout our lives because they just 
interchangeably throughout time. One pillar gets more focused, others don't. And uh, those pillars are our faith and our health and our marriage, uh, fatherhood and brotherhood, and then our business. And they are specifically in that order for a reason, from the most important, our faith, to what really should be the least important thing in our lives is our business and our work. That's the one we tend to prioritize first and probably shouldn't. So that's how we, that's where this whole balanced business tag came from. And that's uh, Dustin and I a few years ago talking about it after a business event. And it's a great thing. So, yeah, that's who I am. I'm just, that's I'm the cool. old married guy of this group. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I guess we can keep on that theme for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> I keep on it the rest of my life. So, yes. <laughs> so, tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, your background, Dustin. I, I know I didn't yeah. do a huge intro. However, but, if yeah. I would have done it, it would have been the story that you're gonna gonna dive yeah. into. So, absolutely. So, hey guys, my name is Dustin. I live in St. Charles, Missouri. Myself, uh, I am a uh, a Christian. Uh, I'm a husband of seven years. I'm a father of two amazing children. A six year old, well, turned six the day after Christmas. Uh, my son, who's absolutely my best friend. Then I have uh, a two-year-old daughter who I just adores, but she scares me. And um, <laughs> yeah, I am a serial entrepreneur, uh, but it all started with real estate and real estate agent, being a real estate agent. Got my real estate license in 2013 as a part-time position. Uh, from there, I went full-time in 2014 and uh, kind of alluded to the fact it's because Dan connected me to the right people. Um, and I had only met Dan one other time at that point, and it was a business after hours for the Chamber of Commerce in O'Fallon, actually. And we talked, he, I really didn't know him. And then I got a call that said, hey, have you ever thought about going into real estate full time? Because I have an opportunity. And it changed my life. I quit a corporate job that was very secure, very high paying and followed uh, a dream of mine at that time, which was to be a full time real estate agent. Um, nine months before I was going to get married, mind you. So that was a conversation with, Hey, I know we're getting married in nine months, but I'm about to leave this very full-time, very secure job to go do this. And, uh, my wife, my fiance at that time, my wife now, uh, supported that decision. Um, but fast forward, you know, those, uh, nine, 10 years later, I am a, I don't want to call myself successful, but I'm a full-time real estate investor. I have about 55 rental properties. I flip 10 houses a year. I serial entrepreneur. I bought a campground looking at all these other businesses because I enjoy business and I enjoy buying businesses. Um, but while that happened, I realized, you know, it's very easy in life to get out of whack um, where you put your business ahead of other things. And I have seen that a lot because I also coach people. And I saw trends that people would get out of whack and then their marriages would be kind of in ruin. So they were either trying to make it get better or they didn't, um, or their health, myself, I, I'm 70 pounds lighter than I was a year and a half ago. Um, so my health was really, really at a, a really bad spot. So I realized all these things that you have to just juggle in the air for a lack of a better word, but balance them to keep making sure they're up and you know, RJ, we, we talk about that, you know, it, we really had this discovery that night after a real estate meeting. And it was like, man, these are the things, our lives were good. Yet there was always that out of whack. How can we make these better? What do we want to do? I've always looked at uh, RJ as a mentor of mine, as a husband and a father, because of his successful marriage and because his kids are pretty amazing kids. And I was like, man, I want that, right? If I want to do something good, I want to follow someone who's already done it. I don't need to recreate the wheel. So we were talking about life and everything that night. And then the the idea of the balanced business dad came about. And now it is, it's a movement on our hearts because we know there are other dads out there who need this, who yearn for it, who want it. And they they know they have challenges and problems, yet they don't know necessarily how to fix it. So we have came up through years of practice ourselves, the framework of dad up. It's time to dad up, guys. And uh, that's how we're going to fix these problems together is by dad up. <laughs> it's funny how you say you got a lot of experience, know a lot of things, have a lot of experience. However, sometimes don't know how to fix certain things. So yeah. 
the last few days, I've been talking to a number of different people, actually a few weeks, and I've ran into examples of guys that are experts in certain fields. And then when they've got their particular situation that they're an expert at, so if you've got the problem or you've got the scenario, they can walk you through step-by-step step the whole entire thing. And then they it's applied to their self and they've got some blind spots that they don't see. Some of the guys I've ran into have been super vulnerable and said, I feel terrible, but for some reason I haven't been able to solve this one for myself. And other guys, it's like, I can see the problem. However, they are unwilling to open up and ask for help. So I've seen both sides of it. And I've had guys come to me and say, I feel horrible that I'm the expert. And also I'm like my worst, I guess, client, if you will where they can coach people on the exact problem that they're having problems with. And so with you kind of looking, looking to RJ and then also taking some of the experience and stuff that you've got and saying, let's throw it into a group and get some collective wisdom, collective community. And then let's see what that brings about. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's the point of it. It's it's that collective. I I know that I'm not going to succeed in life alone. And I, I've seen that, um, you know, I am a child of divorced parents um, and that I don't think it's, I ever said out loud that I'm scared of that yet. I wanted to make sure that I didn't have that. I'll put it that way. And so one of the, let, me, let me stop you for to, just a second. Yeah. So nothing, rev, never, nothing revolutionary, but yeah. that my parents were divorced and I know I don't want that. Yeah. And often that's where we stop. Yeah. I'm just going to stay away from that. I'm just not going to get divorced. So my big, huge grand goal for this marriage is to not get divorced. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, it, it's one of those things I, I never thought of that, but I knew I, and I, it's probably a good thing that my parents got a divorce because I have four amazing parents and they, you know, they've both been married different people for 30 years now. Right. I mean, it's, you know, it, it was good in my life because of what I got out of it. Yet I knew that the mistakes that people made before me, I didn't want to make. And the people that succeeded before me, I wanted to go down that path. And that, you know, that's, I think why RJ and I, I was probably using him. Obviously we're very close friends, but he is 20 years my senior. That is a joke <laughs> and the truth. Um, it is the truth. <laughs> But I, I still see him with his wife and it's like, man, there's passion still there. I want that. His kids are not crazy kids. You know, they, they love him still. That's, that's, that's success when your kids that are 30 years old still love you. And I know I wanted that and I know I needed to get that. And I know other dads want that too. I've also been able to, I guess, return the favor, RJ says, because I give him a glimpse of entrepreneurship and not getting worried about being fired, if you will, because um, I don't have that. <laughs> so we've kind of used each other a little bit both. And that's kind of what formed the balanced business dad. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. RJ, what do you think? Dustin and I are so alike in so many ways. It's so funny when we talk about things like, you know, even the simple things we were talking about the book, you know, the five love languages and our wife's love language, our love language, there's so many things that we're so alike on. Some things we're not like, I don't come from a family of divorce. I have five big sisters. I'm the youngest of six kids. None of us are divorced, which is an amazing thing. When you think about the odds that way, my parents were divorced. Um, So I don't know that I worried as much about being, you know, a divorce because I just wasn't familiar with it. It was just kind of foreign to me. I didn't even have friends that really just had came from families of divorce. But then on the other hand, is I wanted that marriage like my parents had. And it wasn't until Dustin and I really started working on this and we talk about the balance that not only did I mimic their marriage in a good way, my father traveled all the time with the company that he was the president of. He lived half the year in South America. So he wasn't around a lot. He would be here six weeks. He'd be in South America for six weeks. He did that throughout the year constantly. Uh, and then when he was here, he traveled all the time. He's still a great dad. We had a great relationship and wonderful parents, but he wasn't around. And you know, I find slowly that I mimicked that same thing when I got into the corporate world, you know, in leadership roles and national sales roles. And I'd travel three or four days a week. Um, I'm out of that now. 
Dustin has convinced me to leave corporate America, which I did last year. And so strictly entrepreneurial at this point. But uh, you know, it is funny how you can just copy those things and not even realize it. And it was when we started talking about the balance, that's where that came in for me. I didn't even think about it. You know, I have what I thought was a great marriage and great relationship with my kids, uh, but I didn't realize how much I was gone and where did that come into play? Could everything be better? Could I be better balanced? And what are the other things that fall out of balance when you're gone that much? So it's interesting how we came at it from different directions, looking at it that way. And I actually was just having a conversation with our younger son who lives here in St. Louis, uh, talking about this last week because I had to text Dustin. It's you, you don't realize what your kids are noticing. So this is our son, Blake. He's 29. But we're talking about, you know, we're going back into the you know, the early 2000s. So he was, you know, an early teenager. And um, this came up and I'm just talking through these things. And he said, yeah, I said, yeah, we knew it. Yeah, you know, we realized how much you traveled. We thought it was great because we got to go to Disney World, you know, on, on uh, <laughs> back then. Here's my age on TWA points. Yeah. But yeah. Um, uh, but he said, yeah, we, we could see it. We knew how much you were gone compared to other dads. And we saw the stress that you and mom were under at times, you know, where for whatever reason, it was always like Dustin jokes about because every day you thought you were going to get fired when you looked at corporate America. But um you don't even realize. I didn't realize now. So here I'm having a conversation with my son that's that age, and you don't even know what a 12-year-old is picking up, but they do. They pick those things up. So there's balance again. You know, For us, we're, our balance probably was focused so much on work, so much on business, because you got big bills to pay and a big house and cars, and things are just out of balance. So the fatherhood falls. You're not at every one of their for us, especially ball games during the week, sports practices. You make those up on the weekend. You miss them during the week. That was probably, a, for me, the biggest out of balance on those. And didn't even realize it until Dustin and I really started talking about it a few years ago. Yeah, you bring up the uh, the bills side of the equation. So there's an airline pilot, still good friends with him today, uh, lives out on the East Coast now, but used to live here. And he said, a guy once told him, may have been his father, said, as you're, as you're an airline pilot, you're not going to make but peanuts fresh out of college. You're going to have to basically be an intern flying around people. Um, he lived with like six guys and maybe <laughs> a two bedroom apartment and they just rotated who would sleep in the beds because the guys would be all out of town, but like super economy lifestyle, like ramen noodles was their thing. And he goes, this senior guy to him says, here's the deal as your income increases in the pilot world. What you're going to do is you're going to get the bills. You're just going to keep getting the bigger house, the nicer cars. You're going to live the lifestyle. So if you could just avoid lifestyle creep and keep the lifestyle for a while, hold the line for a while. Once you get the big raise, don't change your lifestyle for two years. And if you can do that, you'll have the discipline to hold the line down the road and you'll have enough savings that you'll have a massive cushion and be able to do a lot of different things. I was like, man, that is great, great, great advice, not only for airline pilots who do get a massive raise or doctors who get a massive raise, but for us regular folks that don't get hundred or $200,000 raises in a given year, like watch that lifestyle creep because it'll lead to what RJ was just talking about the pressure to keep producing, the pressure to keep performing. And now you're, you know, in that rat race in that wheel and having to make decisions like Dustin had to make years ago. He's like, I'm super, I'm super comfortable. Like I got this cush job that pays good. You know, there's some pressure there, but I'm going to stay on this corporate track, which is fine. But if your lifestyle creeps up to the point where you got to keep pushing the envelope and you got to keep chasing the dollar, it stops you from being able to think. It stops you from being able to um, make your own decisions and choose how you spend your time. Instead, you've got a boss telling you what you're going to do or a corporation telling you what you're going to do. So any of that resonate with you, Dustin? So there, there's a couple of things I want to talk about. Yeah, it absolutely resonates in corporate America because I've seen you know other people do that. But also on the business side, as a business owner and an entrepreneur, because sometimes you do have those hundred to two hundred thousand dollar a year raises, right? Because next year is three x, four x, five x better than I did year before, and uh, the lifestyle creep I've had to, I guess, rain down because the last few years have been amazing. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine even where I am today. I could never imagine that God was going to give me this, 
right? And when I look at it, yeah, we've had to slow things down. It's like, hey, let's be a little smarter, right? Because what I've seen, and I coach a lot of businesses and I coach a lot of dads, business dads out there, you're, you're not worried about that boss telling you what to do. So you don't have to live up to those expectations, but you have to live up to the expectations of what you've built around you, right? So now you have 17 people on staff, you have this office, you have these bills, and now your overhead is a million dollars a year, right? Because yes, it was lifestyle creep, but, be, but not only lifestyle creep, but because you kept on pushing that you thought you had to do more that you had to do more, that you had to do more. So I don't know if that's lifestyle creep or, or business style creep, if you want to call it, but that's the same thing that can get in trouble there. Make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and not just pushing through because you think you, other people want you to do that, right? I'm not one who thinks that there is enough because I think that's a very selfish. If I have enough, then I'm not giving to other people, right? So I, I do believe in growing, Yet I also want you to make sure that you're doing it at the uh, the right level, so you're not this massive overhead that's stressing you out. If that makes sense. Have you got a time where you botch that up? Oh yeah, I mean yeah, I mean you know it's it's funny, um, and I, I'm pretty open about this. Um, I like my lifestyle, and I'm a very blessed man. I'll put it that way, right? And but this this what probably second quarter, third quarter. My wife and I was like, maybe we should actually look what we spend, right? Um, we knew because we're, we knew so much in real estate, which in real estate, you can have big profits when you flip houses. Right. We also knew that the real estate industry, the market's changing a little bit. So, hey, maybe let's look at that. And, you know, we sat down for hours and went through line by line of what we spent on a month, right? To figure out the average spend. And when you say it out loud, it's absolutely crazy. It's like, wow, right? That we don't need to. Now, I'm not necessarily wanting to change my life. Like, I don't want to necessarily go live this economy lifestyle like I had to because we have put up to this. But what you, what you do sometimes is you get a little bit more clarity around it, right? So even though I can go spend the money I was, now I have clarity around it and I just don't want to anymore. Does that make sense? Um, I just don't want to go, well, I'm going to spend, you know, $80, $90 just to order Grubhub, but 25 of those dollars are going to fees and delivery fees and tips and all everything that Grubhub adds to it. It's like, I can do that yet. I don't want to because it can switch on a moment at, when you're a business owner, if you have not built up these reserves around you. So yeah, I, I've botched it up and you know it's, it's one of those things you pull back. And luckily I've put in my life, the people around me that says, Hey, you're botching things up. <laughs> and uh, I'm able to I guess, get back on course a lot quicker because of those people. Yeah. Those credit card statements that tell you where your budgets go and stuff. A buddy of mine, he was spending $5,000 a month on dinners and lunches. Yeah. 5,000 a month on dinners and lunches, not including groceries, but like going to the games and stuff. So he'd get dinner before the game and whatever. And uh, month after month, he did that. And then I think it was the sixth year he was telling me about this. As the, and I'm like, man, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's too much money. That's crazy. No, nah, it's just the way it is. Just the way it is. About six years in, he goes, huh, that was $360,000 I spent. <laughs> I would make a different decision these days. <laughs> yeah. So true. And he's like, I'm changing it as of this month. Life's going to be different in this yeah. aspect of my life. And he, took that money and then started donating it instead. Love it. Like, holy cow, that was a radically big conversion. And he still leads a very um, generous lifestyle. So instead of eating out with everybody like he did all the time, he's now shifted that and donates that money and gives it away. So it's pretty cool. Imagine yeah. the impact that he is having because of that on so yeah. many lives. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, he's hum and he's humble and he doesn't go run around telling everybody, but because he's opened up that side of his life to me, both sides on the negative as well as on the positive. <laughs> well, yeah. And there's, and he did it because he found clarity. Like if he wants to go eat out, he still, he can still go eat out. And I'm sure there's times he probably goes, has a dinner. Oh yeah, Yet for sure. He just is like, I don't need to do it all the time anymore. 
right? And so I, it's all about that clarity. Yeah, chop it down from money. five grand to a grand. Maybe you spend a grand on your groceries also, and you got right. three grand left over. Right. Yes. And look at the impact you can do with three grand a month. A month. Yeah. $36,000 a year, right? It, it was funny. We were talking today. I was wearing an old sweatshirt this week. My very first business as a 23-year-old kid was a bar. Don't do that. Everybody who's listening, <laughs> do not. But I know it's a lot of guys' dreams. Don't do it. I'm telling you, don't do it. Anyway, I was 23, but I wore that sweatshirt. And th- this wave of emotion hit me because the amount of money in my budget on a monthly basis now, because I lost my bar, went bankrupt, did everything wrong, right? But the amount of money I spend on a month now would have solved every one of my problems for the whole entire year when I owned that bar, <laughs> right? So it, it, it was just this humble experience, what that impacts can do once you have that clarity around it. Yeah, wave it, of emotion. I look at it. There's words that we use and ways that we think. So we got a word called budget. Mm. I'm looking at these guys as they kind of cringe or shake their head a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there's telling your money where to go. Correct. So telling my money where to go sounds cool. Sounds fun. I like being in charge and in control. Yeah. Budgets, my money telling me where to go. At least it feels that way to me. Yeah. Or somebody else telling you where to go. Or somebody else. Where tell, it yeah. Should go. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. So it's, yeah. The, it, the budget and finance a, yeah. part, that's a, that's a big piece. And, and we talk a lot about that in the, in the, the council, it's called the dad up council, which is what the balance business dad besides the podcast. It's, it's the group of men. Um, and this is something that as a business owner, it's hard for me because I believe my money should be working, right? Um, uh, but a guy we were interviewing on the podcast actually said, you know, as a business owner, you have to get comfortable with saving money and it not doing anything for you because of the security, it not necessarily gives you, but gives your spouse a lot of times, especially for a lot of the business dads out there. Because I want to invest all my money and then get my more money back. And then I get to go invest it again. And it, you know, it's this cycle on that. And that one, uh, that's probably been about, I don't know, the last three months that has been huge in my life. This, this realization that I, I need to be okay with that, right? I need to be okay with the saving aspect of it, even though it seems a little boring to me, like the word budget <laughs> does, um, I need to be okay with it because it gives the other people in my life a peace of mind. Mm-hmm. And that's the best investment you can do, right? For, for the married dads out there, that's the best investment you can do is have your spouse have the peace of mind. Um, you know, what's interesting about that is Dustin and his wife, Jenna, are business partners. <laughs> so they're partners in every business that he has, almost. <laughs> Except for one that he and I are buying in January. Yeah. But, so they're business partners. They're together every day. And when yeah. this came up with somebody that we were interviewing and to Dustin, I was just like, what? Yeah, I, I, I save money. I'm going to use that money to buy another house. Yeah. So he sat down and had a conversation with Jenna. He's telling me this. And Jenna says that would make her feel much more comfortable. But she had never brought that up. She just right. you know, just went along. The two of them were just investing and using what money, you know, using their money and making it grow. I thought it was interesting that she was so much on board. She could feel the security. I said, yes, that would make me feel better. If we have X amount of dollars is the goal to have that set aside. We won't use it. It's just sitting there, but that's our security blanket. But she never brought that up before. She was like, yeah. all right, because you know, they're still good. They're moving. They're growing. They're doing things. But I thought it was interesting that that she was so on board with that. It's like, yes, we've never, I've, I've never mentioned it, but that would make me feel a lot better. That, that gives me the security I really want. That is a it's critical sh- thing. Go ahead. And she, she knew the number. Exactly. <laughs> this is not like she just, Oh yeah. I mean, we talk about, no, no, she knew exactly what number would give her security. So that means I failed because I never knew that number. She knew it. Wow. And although she didn't say it, I never asked. Right. Wow. Because when I brought that up, she's like, yeah, boom, here's the number. And I'm like, don't want to think about that. <laughs> yeah. So obviously she's been thinking about that. Yeah. Dustin just never asked the question. And it's, it's, so it's been out there the whole time. And dad, let me give you a piece of advice on that. Don't ask her why that is her number. Keep just going. be okay with it. Keep going. Yeah, just, just, just be okay with that. That's her number. That's going to give her security. My job is now to give her that number. Right. How important is peace and safety and security to women? Uh, what I'm finding Everything. a lot more than it is to me. 
Um, you know, I, uh, it never was in my world, but now that I'm finding out my wife's a very strong individual, but they, they still want that security. And what I realized really recently, which maybe I'm a slow learner, but my job is to provide that security period, physical, mentally, mental, financially, all of the securities you can offer. That's my job. And, uh, like I said, I must've been a slow learner at that, but now that it's on, it's like, all right, boom, now I got a plan. Now uh, I put the formula in place, which I mentioned the dad up formula, and I'm going to go get that number for her very, very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a huge, huge key. I didn't realize we we're going to talk about this a little bit, but the uh, like super, super, super important things that women, and we can segue that into our wives safety peace of mind security like so so critical part of that is literally telling your wife multiple times a day that you love her like because wives go does he love me right i told you three hours ago i loved you (laughs) but in their head that soundtrack is playing the security piece like even physical physical security um i forgot where i heard the story but some some speaker was up front and they said, Hey, question, raise your hand in this mixed audience, husbands and wives, uh, who has felt physically unsafe in the last 12 months. Mm. Darn near everybody raised their hand, including the men in the last three months. Generally all of the men's hands went down. The women's hands were all still up. In the last week, who has felt unsafe? The women's hands were still up. The men's hands were down. And they and the lady says, We're all on location at a you know secluded spot in the last 24 hours. Who has felt un physically unsafe or unsure? 90% of the women's hands were still up within the last 24 hours in a completely safe, secluded place. It is amazing. I noticed that it's funny you say that this weekend, and again, I mentioned before that I have five big sisters, and I come from a family of strong women. And we've had, you know, people we've interviewed or other people tell me that the women want to feel safe, secure, you know, loved, appreciated. You know, there's, there's basic needs. And when I first heard those, I thought, man, that just sounds sexist to me. Like they can take care of themselves. Is that really true? I mean, so that was my first, just as a guy who was raised by a whole lot of women. But um, boy, as I listen now more often, so where I'm getting to this is uh, our daughter, who's 26, and she lives in St. Louis City, uh, as we all know, not the uh, safest place in America. Uh, so, and her uh, mm-hmm. boyfriend that she lives with is a uh, intern or resident at a large hospital in the city. That's why they live down there. So he works resident hours, crazy hours. So she's at home alone a lot. And she talks about how unsafe she feels, even though she's in a fantastic part of what we call South City, in the Southampton neighborhood of St. Louis. But she does talk about how she feels unsafe there. So a lot of times, if Kyle's working nights, our daughter will come out here and spend the night with us or spend two days. You know, We live 50 minutes west of her in the next county in St. Louis. But we were out this weekend, and this really made me think about because she talks about how She's always thinking about where she is and who's around her. Uh, we did a big charity pub crawl this weekend that had thousands of people going to all these bars in St. Louis and shuttles taking it around. It was a pretty cool event. And that's when it came to. I started because we were in very crowded areas. I started looking around because I had both of my daughter-in-laws and my daughter and my wife and a few other friends. Those Almost all of those girls, I'm just watching them. Their heads are on a swivel the whole time. I mean, they're in a bar with us, so, you know. 200 people crammed into a little bar, but they are always looking around where I, I don't even think about it. I was, wow. They think about things that we as guys don't think about. They, they're they aware of a danger, whether it's there or not, or at least fearing of a danger and a need for security that we just don't even think about. So mm. that's, I'm like, okay, maybe it's not sexist. Women need no. to feel safe and secure and they just don't know what, you know, they're just, you hear too many things about what's out there. We were downtown, me and my, 10 year old daughter and uh we were at the uh oh polar express you know every dad's got to take their daughter to polar express and afterwards we came outside it was dark it was in a you know private parking lot should be 
pretty safe generally. And this guy was driving a little bit crazy. He found a parking spot close to ours and he gets out casually, you know, no urgency or anything. And he's like, Hey man. And he asked a normal question and I'm like, everything seems safe and secure. And my daughter's, you know, 10 year old daughter's right next to me. And she's super casual, super not concerned about anything. And I was a little bit, my guard was a little bit down. I wasn't suspecting anything funny. Nothing happened. Answered the question. The guy and his daughter went on their way. However, right after the interaction, I turned to my 10-year-old and I said, here's the deal, honey. Did you see how that seemed pretty normal? And she goes, yeah, absolutely. I go, I was a little bit carefree in that moment. I go, it, di- it didn't occur to me until about 10, 15 seconds after talking to him that I should have been on alert. We're in an area that we're unfamiliar with. It was dark. Um, seems like a safe area. However, this is a guy we don't know. What if he was asking us a question to get our attention so that people to the sides or behind us then would come up and rob us, take us, you know, any of those type things. And she goes, but dad, we're totally safe. I'm like, I know you were with me, so you weren't looking out for that. I'm telling you this for your own self so that down the road, when you're in similar situations, I need you to be the one in charge of, you know, paying attention and being secure. And she goes, got it, dad. We're safe right now, right? (laughs) Like we are. However, it's important for us to be aware of our surroundings. And I didn't want you to miss that opportunity. And she goes, okay, got it, dad. You know, just a small little thing. But um, in that moment, I felt like, hey, here's a big lesson. We got to get this one and drive it home. Because I don't want there to be a different time when when something happens and she wasn't ready for it. Right. Yeah. That's a huge lesson. You know, it's, it's interesting. I leave for Disney World in seven days with to take, you know, my six-year-old and two-year-old and our whole family and stuff like that. And it's interesting we talk about security. I don't know if there's a time I've felt unsafe or are physically unsafe in the last 12 months for me. For you, yeah. But when my children and my wife are around, it's a much different story. Um, especially when I was downtown last week and I my guard is so up anytime my kids and my wife are around me because... I feel like I can handle myself. Can I handle myself and protect them at the same time? It's two different stories. Two different um, stories, one hundred percent. I, I, big enough to handle myself. I feel like um, crazy enough to handle myself, probably in some situations. Um, yet when I have, when I'm, it's it's the other responsibility. That's a huge different thing there. And, and I'm wondering, kind of to tie this in, it's do our wives, the women we mentioned do they not feel that confidence? I feel like, Hey, I can handle myself. So that's why that's not coming up. That's why they are always constantly on a swivel stick. Um, because I, I, I think I feel that, you know, you talked about RJ at that bar, their heads on a swivel stick, my head's on a swivel stick. If I was with my wife, but if I'm by myself, I wouldn't have cared at all. So mm-hmm. I, I wonder if that's the same feeling that they're feeling. Yeah. 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 When you go to a restaurant, when men are with their families or just in general, we all jockey to sit at the wall. We don't want to <laughs> be do. on that inside seat looking at the wall. We want to be against the wall so we can, you know, survey the area and protect. We want yeah. to make sure there aren't any threats. It's just a fact of life. So and my do your wife, wives, do your wives know that when you go into a restaurant? 100%. We get to the table yeah. and she stops <laughs> and pauses the girls and says, is this the seat? Yeah, well, that my one's mine. My wife's the same way. I'm assuming you want this seat with your back to the wall. Well, yep. Yes, I do. <laughs> I also won't let my I won't let my wife or kids walk behind me. They have to be in front of me at all times. I have to be able to see them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's our. You know, that's just our protective nature that we've got, and uh, our wives and family appreciate that. Uh, got to be careful with how you do it, but at the same time, like that's that's who we are, and that's what we should be doing. So. Great. Let me uh, let me throw one at you guys. So this one came in today from a guy, um, and I'd like to just get your get your thoughts and feedback. I'll try to not uh, color his words and allow you to hear what you hear, 
and uh, I'd like to help solve solve this guy's thinking for him or or help him through a situation. So he says, I wanted to get your guys' opinion on something. I was recently blessed with my second marriage. The short of the first is unrepentant, adultery, and more. His wife was the one that cheated on him. He says, let me start with the positive. My wife loves to go to church, serve in church, worship, pray together, do devotions, et cetera. I thank God for that. Uh, we serve in ministries. She's a hard worker, and she loves our family. I've got some frustrations with a few things. I was clear when I was on the dating scene that the intimacy is super important, and uh, his I'll, I'll change his words a bit. He likes to get down and likes to have fun, you know? <laughs> He likes sitting on the couch also and uh, kind of physical affection. Oftentimes, he's like, hey, let's sit together. And she says, no, I like this chair over here by herself. Uh, They got married about six months ago. He was clear in his first marriage that uh, phones and devices were a distraction and played a part in them getting divorced. And so it's really important to him uh, that phones don't get in the middle of their lives. And his wife, he says, is now always on her device, always watching a show, laying in bed. She even got it playing while she takes a shower. So she's listening to a TV show while she's in the shower. Got married in court because her lease was expiring so she could serve in church. So I guess they wanted to do it the right way. They're going to do a ceremony with family and friends coming up. They've been meeting with their pastor. Ah, what else? What else? She says she's always tired. They both work from home. He keeps telling her that she should go to the doctor. She keeps saying she's fine. They're infrequently doing devotionals now. And if she's not on the phone, she's falling asleep. She gets, or he gets angry or goes silent. And the pastor says, "Uh, figure out a healthy compromise as far as the sex things go. It'll be, it'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so that's kind of that's kind of his story. I would ask a few things, and again, I could take this a few different ways. But this is kind of the, the coach inside me, the the results coach coming out to me. So I ask questions to understand. But first, I would say, what have what has he done to change it? Right, um, especially because now that you're married, are you more comfortable? So you're not dating this woman anymore. I would also question that. Is the past trauma in marriage number one showing up? And the, the sex can be a very uh, a touchy subject for a lot of people, but is it so important to him because of the trauma of his ex-wife cheating on him? Would 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 be would kind of be my question there. You know, what is is that so important because she went and found it somewhere else? So now you you have to have it all the time. So now she doesn't want won't even think that. And you won't even think that because you've seen that. So I would question that a little bit. But also question is, you know, the, the five love languages, obviously his is physical touch. I mean, let's, let's, you know, it, it, it's a physical touch and some people just don't show or even receive love that way. So do you know your spouse's love language? And this is for every dad out there that's listening. Do you know your spouse's love language? Because that's super, super, super critical to be able to show them love how they receive it. And that, and that, that can go for our children and everything. But obviously, we're talking about a spouse in this situation. So sitting next to you on the couch probably doesn't mean anything to her. Yet my assumption is she doesn't know what it does for you. So when you ask to sit by her on the couch and you ask to touch her and you ask to be intimate, are you explaining that right? Or are you sounding like a whiny baby because you want sex, right? And and those are two different things, in my opinion, because I'll tell you the most unattractive thing to a woman, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm going to guess is a whiny baby trying to get sex. Absolutely. Right? No Show, woman finds that attractive. I, I can't imagine. No. Right. <clears throat> and that's not intimacy at that point. That's just sex out of, gr- out of pity. That's, I'm assuming not what he's looking for. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, when we're doing this, guys, show love how they receive love and explain how you receive love too. Read the book together. That is the what I would really look for. And, you know, not doing the devotional as much anymore. Is that because of the stress of everything else that he's putting on her? 
right? So really back up, how did we fall in love? And have you already stopped dating your wife six months in? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I thought. Listen to that too is uh, one thing that I picked on is they both work from home. So they're together 24 hours a day. And, yeah. you know, familiarity just, you know, can kind of breathe. Joe just breathes, Joe just, just, you know, just boredom after a while. Mm-hmm. So that's when Dustin mentioned dating your wife, you know, going, having to flip that a different way. It's okay. We're together all the time. So let's try You know, let's go back to like we were dating when we were, we were courting each other way back when let's put mm-hmm. dates, actual date nights, getting out of the house, dressing up and uh, being a couple again and getting mm-hmm. away and maybe, and, and, you know, be a man, dad up on those nights, have a yeah. great time, uh, open the door for her, pull out the chair when she sits down at the restaurant, do the things that I don't care. I know once again, it will sound sexist, but the things that women like to see date that date your wife, be a man, dad up, as we like to say. And uh, you might be surprised what follows instead of coming home and just getting on Facebook. You know, maybe she's not bored at that point. It's been a great night. So. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the intimacy shows up. I would also question the devices is there a again that past trauma coming up was she the ex-wife on her phone talking to the guy she was having the affair with or all that and there's there's not oh i don't care she's watching a different show than me but what is she doing on that phone and why am i not a part of it more showing up versus the oh i she shouldn't be on her phone kind of thing Right. Right. Because really, if you're on a, if she's on a phone watching TV and you're in your chair watching the baseball game, is there really much difference at that point? Right. So I, I think there's a lot of past trauma showing up and I don't even know if he's realizing it. We act because of our emotions. So if we back all that way up, our programming, which is everything experiences, everything that has happened to us lead to our thoughts, our thoughts lead to our feelings and our feelings lead to our actions. So sometimes we're acting a different way and we don't know why. Let's not back that up just to the emotion we're feeling, but let's back it all the way up to the programming. Because once you know the programming around how you're acting, that's how you can change if you want to change. You know, my health journey, I had to back up and get real, really real with childhood things, not childhood trauma, just childhood habits that showed up for me to fix those, right? Because now I figured out why I do this because I figured out what the programming was, right? And that's where the health journey for me took place. You can do that in anything. We can, we can focus on, all right, I have this action. I don't necessarily like this action. Now I have to reflect on why am I having this action and ask yourself a few questions deep. Oh, well, it's because, you know, this happened when I was 17 or whatever, which sounds kind of uh, airy-fairy, Right. But there, there's a lot of emotion around things that you don't even realize without looking into it. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Past history, yeah. you know, and you, you said going back to a kid, tons yeah. of our thoughts and actions are because of things that happened when we we're a kid or the stories we told ourselves when we were four years old. That's right. And that's scary <laughs> as a parent because how bad are we messing up our kids? Yeah. Or how bad are our kids messing up our kids? Yeah. <laughs> right. I hear my kids telling stories kid. and I'm like, that's not kind, true, or helpful. Like <laughs> it's it's not even a true story, the story you're telling. Right. Well, <laughs> the, the we have RJ and I have a mutual friend, and I'm not gonna mention names because you probably know because it's Dan. Dan knows everybody. <laughs> but um we were we were in a in a seminar together, and this guy's job is to be creative. Like that's literally his job. That's what he does for a living is creativity, right? And he was saying, he's like, yeah, you know, I'm not creative or anything like that. But the whole room was absolutely floored by that because literally that's your job that you're really successful at. So how can you say out loud, I'm not a creative person? And, and there was a coach there who went deep. Um, one of those coaches that can like look at you and pull out what your five-year-old self's thinking, which is kind of a little creepy thing, but she, and, and she did that and he found out that he never thought himself that he was creative because his mom, while she was making dinner, not not a bad traumatic experience, but kind of blew off a picture he drew. <laughs> so since the time he was like six or seven years old, he just went through life. I'm no longer creative because of that one moment. And that poor mom, if she even knew, she, it, not even like it was a, 
a child abuse situation that we've all heard of where things can be traumatic. No, this was like, oh, that's great. All right, go finish the cartoon, right? You know, yeah, she's got like she's got three pots on the stove, exactly. all right, boiling over. The phone's ringing when we had and the baby's crying. And yeah, baby's exactly. crying. The dogs barking, and this kid's got a little horrible stick pictures. figure. Exactly, yeah, stick figure. <laughs> yeah, but that one cut, that one conversation. His programming was, well, I'm no longer creative. Oh my! Goodness. So as a as a parent, right, and as a dad, we have to remember that, right. I, I tell my my son, my daughter's too. My daughter tells me I mess up, but my son, I at least say, "Hey, I I mess up all the time." What I say, I shouldn't have said that, et cetera. And I think as a parent and as a dad and as a husband, we need to say that more often. Hey, I messed up there. This is what should have happened. You're not this way. It was the moment that happened. That kind of thing. Because um, I think, could he? Where could he have been if he thought he was creative? all the way through when he started this first career, which he really hated, but he just did it anyway because he didn't think he had this creativity gene in him. Yeah. Yeah. So two, two things maybe to help tackle for this guy and maybe not only this guy, but I think a lot of guys and a lot of women have spouses that are on their devices all the time. I think it's a large, large, large number. Um, You know, one just witnessing people at, lunch and dinner together mm-hmm. couples and seeing both of them on their phone mm-hmm. you're literally sharing an experience and rather than sharing experience you're separated by the device the phone the screen mm-hmm. um so when couples are in bed together at night and on a screen they said don't put your tv in in the bedroom nowadays you've got a tv six inches away from your face or foot away from your face and sharing a bed but yet being anyway but so devices are a big, big thing. Any any advice for um, helping a spouse be aware of? You know, that's a great question. So you can bring it up. I would bring it up and how I would do that and how I have done it is, you know, the world is too much on their devices. Honey, I'm going to intend on not being on mine much more and model the behavior you want to see model the behavior you want to see in the world, right? Because I can't hold my phone and look at my spouse and my wife and say, man, we should not be on our phones anymore, right? We should both put them down. And she's like, okay, you know, it's, it's not one of those things. Model the behavior first and then maybe have that conversation, right? And, and yes, a device is easier when we talk about the phones, but to me, a television is just as bad, right? Mm-hmm. So I... I I especially just sitting at home, don't look at it. If one person on this, you know, their phone versus one person's watching TV, I don't think it's very much different, right? Um, so to me, if you're going to be present, be present mm-hmm. and then have those conversations, but you have to model the behavior, right? If you're now not on your phone, but you guys are in the living room together, turn the TV off. I bet you start having weird questions, but what does he want to do? No, I just want to sit here and talk. Yeah, yeah. See what that does, right? Don't be upset if about your spouse not being present if you're not being present is what I would say there. Yeah, yeah, that's a big mm-hmm. one. RJ? Yeah. Uh, I kind of came from the opposite end of that. We laugh about that. My wife never had a Facebook page until like a year ago. Um, her parents, her brothers, our kids all know if they want to reach her, they call me or they text me. Because she keeps her phone, she, her phone is on. She keeps her ringer off. But you know, from when she goes into the office, she can't have her phone ringing. But when she comes home, she doesn't turn it on. <laughs> so even her parents, <laughs> her dad will call me. Hey, is Leanne there? It's like, yeah, let me get her. Let me give her my phone because they know she'll never answer the phone because it's the ringer's turned off and it's sitting in her bedroom. So yeah, yeah. I've, it's just funny. She just never embraced that technology to an extent. Now she does. She's got Facebook and it's funny, but she uses it as a later night entertainment after we're done doing things. She'll just go play on it. So she's not one always walking around her phone. So I had to be more conscious of it than her. So I haven't had that with her, but I went to the, you know, I, it was the same thing. I noticed, you know, we'd be out to dinner and I'd be constantly glancing at my phone every time mm. we would buzz. You know, mm. Who's that text from? Oh, which one of the kids maybe? And that is such a distraction. And then I remember somebody said, oh, you just turn the phone upside down. You'll leave it screen side down on the side, on the side of the table. So you don't worry about it. Well, it's still there. You're still looking over there constantly. So now what we've done or what I've done, but again, it's not really because of her. 
is when we go out now and she knows it, as soon as we walk into a restaurant, I hand her my phone. And so she just put it in her purse. So I don't have that thing, even at least sitting on the side of the table, I'm constantly looking over the thing and man, I wonder what the Cardinals are doing right now. I'd sure Mm -hmm. like to figure out a way I can glance at that thing. That's so So. funny that you mentioned, put the phone down, put it, you know, put it face down. And it's like, no, that's a horrible advice. (laughs) The world says it's okay. You got it on silent and all the stuff. It's a third person at the table, right? It's sitting right there, constantly glancing at it. The other person's glancing at it. Are you going to touch it? You know, and it's like totally a distraction. But the way the world sees it is no, 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 it's cool. Like, it's yeah, it's an inanimate object. It is not. It's got life and voice and everything else. And everybody's constantly drawn towards it. So with it being visible, it's a total distraction. I think it was better when I just had it in my hand. You know, at least I, yeah, yeah, having yeah, that thing right. sitting upside down was like, man, what is the mystery message that's on there right now? I got to so find I that love, somehow. I love giving her control over that and saying, you know, it's yours. Do what you want yeah. with it. You yeah, know, you take it. Don't give it to so, me. You know, yeah. yeah. And the same thing now with the smartwatches. The smartwatches mm. are so annoying. Um, I've gone to leaving mine in the car when I'm going to do something or whatever. Because I don't, I don't know how to get the thing to shut up or quit lighting up and like it's a distraction, and I've I've talked to a lot of other guys that say the same thing. Like this smartwatch is the stupidest thing ever when it's in a a group where I'm interacting with people because the thing never shuts up. Yeah. Oh yeah, I never. And it's on your wrist, messages. so everybody can see it. Yeah. Right. Everybody sees it lighting. How many times do you notice that when you're sitting with somebody, you see their watch lighting up? Mm-hmm. And half the time, I'm like, "Ooh, I want to see what's on there. What are they just? Ooh, it looks like a text. <laughs> you know, I want to read it. It's not even mine. Yeah, it's the latest. But you just then you can really see how often it's going on. Everybody around yeah. the group are just watches are constantly blinking on and off. Like, man, there's a lot of text messages going around and all of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure, absolutely. So, guys, if you were listening and you heard that story and and we kind of reflected on everything, one of the themes in that was uh, telling our wives the way that it is, laying down the law. I run this place. You're going to do what I say. So that's obviously not the way. And I'm sure this guy wasn't trying to tell his wife that. However, um, as I read his story, that's what I felt like. I felt like it was Mm -hmm. a bunch of finger pointing and telling what's going to happen. Is it important to express our expectations? Yes. Oftentimes we have covert thoughts and we make contracts that the other person's unaware of. So yes, Mm -hmm. important to express, however, in a loving way not in a dictatorial way mm-hmm. we're, we're in this together and looking for how am I going to get what I want? It's all yeah. about me. You know, if we're listening to that radio station, W I I F M and that's our sole focus, what's in it for me. Yeah. Like that's the wrong way to go about it. Um, I didn't hear this guy talking about his friend group, his wise counselors in his life. I didn't hear him talking about fitness. I didn't hear him talking about his hobbies and things that he enjoys that helps him thrive in life. I didn't hear any of that stuff. Nope. I just heard what I'm not getting is this and I'm mad at my wife. Well, if that's yeah. the sole focus, you'll continue to go down the path of getting less and less and less of what you want because you're so focused on seeing the negative. Instead, yeah focusing on the positive and kind of blowing into your wife, giving her compliments and lifting her sails so she can blossom and bloom on a, on a man, John David, man, they've got the go giver, um, the go giver marriage, phenomenal book. And they talk about language like that and how you can just light your wife up with compliments and, you know, taking care of her, um, and less about the criticism. Wives don't need criticism. They do enough of it inside of their own head. They don't need us to to jump on their case. So, uh, and the device thing, yeah, it's a big, big issue. And just being aware that it's a big issue. And I agree with you, Dustin, looking at yourself first. So Always. If you're not modeling the behavior and you want to call the the pot black when you're the kettle that's black, like that doesn't doesn't go very far. You know, being again that dictator type. That's how we're going to do it. And when right. I mean we, I mean you. Right. <laughs> it's so true. You know, it, it's it's funny. And I heard a story, and I think it came out of the compound effect by Darren Hardy. Um, I know we have a little bit of time, so I'll try to shorten yeah, this yeah. story up. But he talks about I had made a list of everything I wanted in a wife, 
blonde, beautiful, you know, one sex, everything that he wanted. And he couldn't find this woman. And he couldn't find this woman, couldn't find this woman, couldn't find this woman, couldn't find this woman. So then he went back to the drawing board and he asked the questions, what would this woman want in a husband? What would this husband, if somebody liked Mm -hmm. this woman, what does this person want? And then made that list of attributes. And that's what he started focusing on. Then he found that because yes. he was showing up like that person would want to sh- would want to find, right? So that's what we have to look like. If we if we're missing something in life, look at yourself first. Michael Jackson says it best: "Man in the mirror," right? <laughs> yep. Um, let's look at ourselves first, and what do I need to change, or who do I need to become for my spouse to want to give me what I want? Well, how would she want to show? How does she want me to show up for me to get that? That's what I would ask myself right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you should ask yourself on a daily basis, dads. Yep. Yep. I love that. I love that. I love that. So let's come up with a challenge. Let's give something the guys can do between this week and next week, the next episode. I always love to throw a challenge out. The guys love a challenge. As you're thinking through, can you guys come up with something? I always like to let the guests throw something out there. And if they don't have it, I got a backup, but I'm sure you've got something that guys can do week to week. I got one and I'm going to steal this. So we have, you know, the, the dead up council has seven calls and based off pillars. So I'm stealing this from our, our resident marriage coach, but they call it the cookie jar exercise. So what you're doing is you and your spouse are a Mason jar, whatever it is, you and your spouse get them each have a Mason jar and you write down five things that you would like your spouse to do for you that week. This could be, give me a hug, wish you, I love you, empty the dishwasher, whatever it may be. And then you put those pieces of paper, you fold them up and you put them in the mason jar and you close them. And then you're going to go through that mason jar, your spouse's mason jar, and you're going to read. This is what my spouse wants me to do. She's asking for me to do this. And then sometime through that week, you're going to go do it for her without telling her you did it without, look at me. I emptied the dishwasher. I, I did the, di- that was, was the <laughs> dishwasher. I did it. It was me. Look did you me. notice that? right we're not doing that you're just silently doing that and that that mason jar exercise uh our resident marriage coach who uh obviously coaches all of our council um says you would not believe because what they're doing they're telling you how to show them love they're telling you what their love languages are which is not such a hey what is your love language i need to take notes it's a very subtle way a uh, non-offensive way non-pressured way and uh, that the mason jar exercise uh, has done wonders for couples. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I thought you were going to say like compliments or you know some other thing, but I like that one. That one's yeah. good. That one's really good. Gets those uh, unspoken expectations out in the open, and you know, yeah. so yeah, that's good. That's good. How can guys reach out and get a hold of you guys? You know, tell us contact info and anything else you want to tell us about yourselves or balanced business days. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. We do have a show as well called The Balanced Business Dad. You can find it where all of the podcast world is. Um, But also on Facebook, we have a group just called The Balanced Business Dad. And that is for obviously what it says. But it's something I want to make a caveat. If you're not in business for yourself, that's okay. We're still here for you, right? We call it The Balanced Business Dad. But, you know, executives, the people that are working in corporate America, you know, you're you're invited, right? you're, You're our posse too, if you will. But I would say those two places are the going to be the best. Thebalancebusinessdad.com. Is that correct, RJ? We'll take it you is. to our, uh, with all of our podcasts that we've had. Dan show on there, which was amazing. So I would say that's where you can find us. And then um, we're going to be hosting a webinar. And I'll send you that link the first week of January, maybe the second week. Second of, week of January. <laughs> second week of January. But it's it's how to dad up is what it is. And it's how to solve those problems. And just because dads, it's time to dad up. We're going to explain that process and explain what the dad up council is and things like that. And I'll send you that link out there for you, Dan. Awesome. Awesome. That sounds great. Yeah. Good stuff. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, This was really, really cool. I had no idea somebody's going to send me this note today and (laughs) like, hopefully we help this guy. But if not, I know there's lots and lots of guys that think similarly and have similar thoughts. So that was cool that you guys played that game with us and went back and forth and, and I love it. had some good ideas and glad we were able to have it recorded so we can share it with lots of guys. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Well, thank you guys. And I appreciate you and uh, look forward to listening to your show and thanks for listening to mine. Yes, You're welcome, thank Dan. You.
I catch you guys later. And guys, thanks for listening and uh, catch you guys next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light. Shine that light out and let others see it. With you guys, part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. It helps me be accountable to myself, be accountable to God and Jesus. I hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. I hope you like the challenge and hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others. Join us inside of the Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others. Have your buddies join. Have other dads that are looking to grow in their faith, grow as spiritual leaders of their family. As we engage in our journey and be intentional with it, we can help others grow theirs as well. We thank you again for listening. We thank you for all your reviews. Look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show. So, dear God, Thanks for blessing all of us, and thanks for drawing us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have fun, guys.